0: Welcome to Talking Transfers, a brand new show from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent and transfer guru, whatever we want to call you, Graham Bailey. This is a brand new weekly show where we'll dig into the latest on the futures of the biggest names in world football and some you might not have heard of as well, be it players or managers. And on today's edition, the debut edition, we'll talk all about Manchester United's latest in the manager search. We'll talk about Paul Pogba's future, Marcus Rashford's future, and some potential transfer targets that a certain manager might be looking at if he were to get the job. We'll also talk a little bit about Kylian Mbappe, Phil Foden, and Newcastle United with some incomings and
1: outgoings. Graham, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Pleasure to be here. Really looking forward to this podcast, Scott. I think it's uh, it's been a long time coming, but we're finally here. It's literally
0: been about two years since we, <laughs> since we actually said that we should start doing this. Mm. Uh, and finally... On April the fifth, twenty twenty-two, we are recording the debut edition. Uh, We'll look all ahead to obviously we've got a big summer coming. Obviously, the World Cup is at the end of the year. There's no in the men's game. There's no real massive competition. So you just think that this is going to be a summer where you know Chelsea should have their ownership uh, sorted out by then. There'll be Manchester United are going into revolution mode. You'd expect. There could be some big players moving. There's a lot of big players out of contract too. So, you know, there'd be a lot for us to to discuss over the course of the next few weeks and months. We're aiming to do this weekly, depending on how it goes. We might do it a little bit more frequently as well in uh, in transfer window time. But yeah, today uh, we'll get into the main hot topics and United are never too far away from the news. So please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter too. Uh, My at is at underscore Scott Saunders and Graham is just the simple at Graham Bailey. Uh, you can follow Graham for all of the latest that he puts out on 90 dot com, uh, and he does a little bit here and there as well. Uh, you can follow me for my latest ramblings on how bad Man United are. Uh, <laughs> are you, do you? Graham's a Middlesbrough fan, obviously. Uh, are you? You know, are you really high on Middlesbrough at the moment? Are You feeling like that Premier League promotion is in reach? Yeah.
1: Well, obviously, you know, since uh, since we beat you in the FA Cup, Scott, it's been we've been on something of a high, you know, and uh, we, were, we we're working our way through the minute office, weren't we? We took we took Tottenham out, and when we had Chelsea, we almost had the full the full uh, shebang of everyone in the office. But now it's been great. Chris wilder has been a breath of fresh air, and we're in the playoffs, so you never know. We're hoping, um, hoping to do a lot more Middlesbrough news maybe this summer as as we a promotion. But you never know. It's um, and I hope we do go because if we don't we could be losing some of those players. Isaiah Jones, one of the Old Trafford slayers, he's particularly good. I'm sure you you witnessed that. And, uh, yeah, so... No, through, through, but, my, through my fingers and hands. Yeah, no, no, yeah. So hopefully a bit more Middlesbrough news will be coming on that in soon as we, uh, as we build it to the Premier League. But, yeah, we're not quite, uh, not quite there yet. I so don't want to build my hopes up too much.
0: <laughs> there's plenty of good teams in that uh in that race but we'll see how it goes and obviously we've mentioned united there who've been knocked out of the fa cup by middlesbrough knocked out of the champions league by atletico madrid knocked out of the top four race by every team they seem to play in the premier league at the moment and ralph Ranick's in charge until the end of the season due to take up a, a consultancy role as it stands uh at the end of the season but a little bit of uncertainty around what's going to happen there obviously there's two names in the frame as we've reported on 90min.com for the last few weeks graham uh maritio pochettino eric ten Hag. it seems to be a face-off between the two of them and what's the what's the latest on the search there's no decision has been made yet despite some reports to the contrary in the last few days
1: yeah we've managed to put a piece up um today scott didn't we about the the situation with ten hag and it's about ralph ragnick where he has put his lot in with ten hag he is really pushing john murta and the hierarchy to go with ten hag he's really going all in on him which from his point of view it could be a dangerous position to go in if, if they do go for pochettino does that put in doubt his futures in the consultancy role it, it's a strange one. and the, the players and the staff know what Ragnik is doing they if they know who he wants to come in. And so that does impact on the players as well, Scott. You know, they not that they don't appreciate Ten Hag and, and and I think no they obviously don't know him too well, but they some of them the ones who aren't getting on with Ragnik at the moment will be wondering, well, why is he pushing for Ten Hag? What does that tell us about Ten Hag? And so yeah, it's it's a strange situation. And as you said, Scott, one of the players really impacted by Ragnik at the moment is Marcus Rashford. And if a manager who Ragnik wants comes in, where does that leave Marcus Rashford? Because you can imagine if Ertan Hag is coming in, he's asking Ragnick his opinion of the players. I think we all know what he's going to say about Marcus Rashford.
0: Yeah, it just seems at the moment we've seen Gary Neville over the last few days questioning why Marcus Rashford, after he's just had two weeks in club camp, wasn't selected for international duty with England, lost his place in that team. Why is he not? starting for United obviously United drew with Leicester at the weekend he did come on as a sub but didn't it maybe he could have won the game at the end if he wasn't tackled by his own player who was offside but you know that that could have maybe changed his fortunes a little bit but he's not a go-to in the team at the moment Anthony Langer's has overtaken him in the pecking order and there doesn't really seem to be a way back in for him at the moment and I think that's causing a little bit of
1: you know it's, it's causing Rashford to consider his future would that be fair to say Oh, very much so, you know. He's seen his good friends in Jesse Linga and Paul Pogba probably leaving the club as well. So, when your two best friends are leaving as well. And I think Rashford, he doesn't want to leave United. Of course, he doesn't. Who wants to leave Manchester United when they come through as United fans, born and raised? They don't. But if he doesn't see a future, as you say, I think it's very interesting you alluded to the England situation. If he doesn't get himself sorted out between now and September, he won't be going to the World Cup. And Marcus Rashford should be at his peak now. He should be leading the way. So I think it's it's two ways. I think he'll be hoping that Pochettino comes in. I think Rashford would be desperate for him to come in. He's seen the work he did with Son, Dele Ali, Harry Kane at Tottenham. Rashford would arguably be the player who benefits most from Pochettino coming in. That's the way I see it. I think he does, his camp does as well. And if it is Ten Hag and Ragnik stays, Rashford's going to have to go. And then we're going to be looking at who's going to take Rashford, who's going to try and take him. And there won't be short of options. There really won't. I think he will have his choice of clubs to a certain extent, I think. we I, I've been told that Newcastle are keeping an eye abreast of that situation and there would be no problems with that fee. Arsenal are looking. We know that as well. So that's probably the level he's looking at. You know, if he was banging form, he's not really on Liverpool and City's list and I'm sure United wouldn't sell him there anyway. But that's the sort of level we're looking at. Would he go abroad, we've seen Tammy Abraham go to Roma and do... I think he's done well. He hasn't blown me away at Roma. He's got one in two, which is good. Not magnificent, but considering um, the lack of attacking options for Southgate, Abraham is in there now. He's probably the one who has made Rashford miss out at the moment. So could we see him maybe broad? I wouldn't rule it out. But no, I think there's nobody watching this managerial situation, Scott, more than Marcus Rashford and his party, because that's going to have a huge sway on him. It really is. And I think if Ten Hag does come in, I think Marcus Rashford will go and... I, I hate to say you know when you see players come through the system I'm sure a lot of United fans are probably 50-50 on this but you don't really want to lose him as United fans you don't want to lose Rashford do you?
0: No I think that's that's absolutely fair to say I think we've all seen what Rashford can be or what he can do in his breakthrough years at United we're, we're well past that now he should be one of the the kind of main characters, mainstays of this United team. He should be in the team every single game, every single week. I know he's had injury problems, but, you know, it's been difficult for him, uh, especially since Ralph came in because Ralph's tried to change the style and this kind of thing. And he's, I think one of his main jobs really was to analyze the players that United should take forward because they've obviously, with with Ollie been, you know, proven to, getting it wrong. You know, it, it has not worked out and there's a, a lot of players in this signed by a lot of different managers. I think I counted as many as five. David De Gea was signed by Sir Alex Ferguson, for example. So that seems to be a lot of plans that have changed around or come into one, one melting pot in a sense. And it's just really caused a bit of a well, a bit of a problem, a lot of a problem, a massive problem that United now have to address. And I think Rannick's part of that. And like you say, Graham, we put out in this story, which has uh, come out on Tuesday on nightingman.com that Rannick is pushing hard for Ten Hag. And we, we actually reported that a number of weeks ago, uh, mm. that Ten Hag was was uh, was Ralph Rannick's pick. But there is a little bit of a split still at the club between whether it should be Pochettino and Ten Hag and no decision has been made yet.
1: And we've seen all these former players, and it's been fascinating. It's kind know of, we've talked off-pod about... These former players, they really are all lining up in a straight line to back Pochettino, aren't they? We say Wim w- w- Win Rooney on Monday Night Football, he was um banging the drum for Pochettino. We've seen Teddy Sheringham going out. It's been it hasn't just been the norm, it's been all the former players really are getting behind Pochettino. Do you think that's a Sir Alexing influence?
0: <laughs> could little be. Could could be a little bit, and I think Pochettino uh Pochettino and
1: Sir Alex po- are very close, are they? Very po- close.
0: Pochettino and so. Sir Alex are close. Pochettino's been the long term pick for even going back to Ed Woodwards, you know, obviously he's mm. not there anymore. But it's been no secret that for years United have wanted Pochettino. They just haven't been able to find the right time to pick him. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, definitely. I said and um, after his major surgery for Alex, Pochettino's the first major in football he talked to. That just accentuates how close those two are. People don't realise it. Um Sir Alex loves Pochettino, and obviously he he, he can only push to a certain extent. He doesn't have the power he once did at Old Trafford. Um, So, yeah, it's a really interesting one. Still, from what we're hearing, Ten Hag still has the edge, but I still think it's a bit closer than what people think, and it certainly isn't a done deal yet, but it's one of the two. But I think um, within a week by Easter, we were told, weren't we Scott, a few weeks ago that United wanted us doing by Easter. I still think we are looking at that timeline.
0: Just a few weeks away, that is. So uh, expect plenty of speculation until then. Obviously, go and read our latest uh, on 90min.com for the latest on the United Manager search and how it impacts Marcus Rashford as well. But Paul Pogba is also uh, in the boat of not knowing what his future is. Uh, we've reported a number of times in the last few months that he's not made a decision yet. He, you know is happy to wait, to wait it out, wait for the end of the season. I think he's pretty much alluded to this as well, that he is just essentially weighing up his options, wants to get the football out of the way, and then we'll see what's on the table for him. But uh, do do you put him in the same camp as Marcus Rashford in the sense of uncertainty? Do you think he has an idea about where he wants to go?
1: I think I think he does, I, but I think with Pogba, you know, he we know we reported on ninety Min when Ollie was appointed all that time ago. That Pogba wasn't a fan. Uh, he liked him as a person, didn't like him as a coach, and the same can be said of Ragnick. So I think there's a bit of suspicion there from Pogba. Does he? Is it third time lucky for United? You know that he thinks they've got it wrong twice. But with Pogba, and what I'm told from people close to him, this recent burglary that he suffered um, in Cheshire. Uh, what was it, a, few, a month ago now or something, Scott? But
0: the night of the Atletico Madrid game, I think it was, so a few weeks.
1: Th- this has made him really think, you know, it's had a major impact on him personally, which is why, from what I'm being told, this Juventus um you know, Juventus have always been for him. It's been one of four teams. We've always said this. It was either going to be Turin, Madrid, Manchester or Paris. That's where Pogba's going to go. Madrid still have an interest. He's not at the top of their list of targets. You know, they're pretty busy trying to do Mbappe at the moment, which we'll come on to. But he, he has this Juventus thing. And, and, you know, Allegri's there. And Pogba had a wonderful time in Turin. He felt comfortable. He arguably played his best football of his career with Juventus. I think he did, yeah. And, and you know, they've got Delict, Vlaovic, Pog Juventus, I think, are quietly going about the business quite well. Juventus behind the scenes. I think Allegri had sort of written the season off and thought, give me till next year. And I think Juventus are going to come out all guns blazing next year. And I think Pogman might very well end up in Turin, from what I'm told. He loves the place, he loves Allegri. And I could see him becoming that Perlo type of player, you know, Scott being the quarterback, dictating play. And, and you know, to my he really respects and loves. And I just think it ticks a lot of boxes. And what I'm here, I think we'll hear a lot more about Juventus and Pogba over the coming weeks.
0: Yes, indeed. Pogba has said in a recent interview that part of the problem he's felt at United is that he's not had a consistent position. He's been played at the left wing, he's been played in the number 10, he's been played in central midfield, he's been played in defensive midfield, expected to do everything. And you know, he was in a settled Juventus side, and that's where you see the, the best gotten out of him. And at 28 29 or whatever he is now you'd expect that he's going to want to win trophies wherever he goes so i think that'll be quite important to his decision too but um eric ten Hag, if he does come in mm. will might he might not even have the the ability to decide on what pogba wants to do because that's in his hands uh but he possibly may uh be able to have an impact on what he does if uh united make a decision early enough but Let's talk about potential transfer targets that Ten Hag would look at if he were to get the job. Now, a number of weeks ago, I'm re- referencing the same report that we, uh, we've already talked about here from a few weeks back about ragnick pushing for Ten Hag. Uh, Anthony was on his list, uh, and I think we even maybe mentioned this even beforehand before that was put out but that's still the case i think he's uh i think he's picked up an injury but anthony and uh, another defense a defender as well called uh durian timber who has been linked with the with the multi united in the last few days appears to be on the list too would you would you make that a correct assessment
1: yeah, I think obviously they're going to want to hear Ten Hag's assessment of players that he wants, which which should include a handful of these Ajax players. We you know United have been watching Ajax recently. There were there there was there was a, a very heavy scouting presence from United attended the Benfica Ajax game. Unfortunately for Ten Hag, which saw. Benfica go out, and they were looking at players from both sides. Darwin Nunes is a player United like a lot, and we could see him fitting in that number nine role. But obviously, they were there looking at uh, these Ajax players as well. Julian Timber, very good player. He was linked to Chelsea and Tottenham at the back end of last year. Described to me at the time as a, t- a William Gallas type player, play anywhere along the back line, very classy. So you can see, sort of seeing him fitting in. But Anthony is the main one. You know, he is a stunning player. He's coming from Brazil. He's taken to European football like a duck to water. We know Liverpool like him a lot. So I think, you know, you can't go wrong maybe if United, you know, Liverpool are in fame as a possible salary replacement, So you know, that's how highly they rate him. You know, Anthony, he's coming from Ajax. He will cost a lot of money. He, he's going to be 60, 70 million. But we know, to come in that right side, it's a position you do need as well, Scott, isn't it? United, you know, Sancho, whichever side's he on. We know Mason Greenwood isn't likely to play anytime soon. So, Anthony... It does fit everything you need at the moment.
0: Yeah, uh, I think Sancho was uh, earmarked as the one to come in and fill that role on the right-hand side, which they haven't really filled in a decade. I think Antonio Valencia spent a bit of time there before he moved back to right back, but it's always been a problem position. I think somebody like Anthony, with uh, the ability to beat people, and I think he's left-footed as well, you know, to be able to cut inside and uh, really. Make an impact from that side because it's always been United's players always mm. seem to be down the left hand side and with Luke
1: Shaw well, yeah. it? a bit more direct as well. a bit more yeah. direct. He's a little bit different, isn't he, to what you've got?
0: Yeah, so it might be a nice compliment to to have each of them on the wing. And then what happens with let's say if Marcus Rashford does go, then that need goes up even more because he's been filling in on that right hand side as well, uh, even though it's not his preferred position. O- over recent months, with uh, with Ralph Ranick at the club in charge. Uh, Obviously, we'll see what happens there. As we mentioned earlier on, uh, United are not in a big rush. They just want to make sure that this decision is the right one. And it could take a few more weeks yet until they make an official decision. But you'd expect it to be pretty soon and ahead of the summer so they can hit the ground running, do you think?
1: yeah definitely and you know and because they will have to assess the players he wants you know it's all very well united we know they're going to sign at least one midfielder you know does does ten Hag come in and and recommend gravenbeck or alvarez instead of maybe ruben ruben neves for instance you know they will take his opinions into account because when you're spending this much money on players you do want the manager to have a say but um, yeah, it's going to be the next couple of weeks we see, it. and so it's going to accelerate very quickly. And I say we'll see, will it impact on other United um transfer targets, such as a Declan Rice, who you know I'm sure you want United to get involved in those stakes. Um, he can probably be the uh, one of the biggest moves we see this summer. We do know that he wants to leave West Ham, so he's want to keep an eye on the next few weeks. You know, this Chelsea takeover should be done again. Uh, within a few weeks. It's probably actually the Chelsea takeover and Manchester United managerial situation will probably both happen in very similar situations. And I think that might free up a lot of transfer transfers to go through or talks at the very least to happen. So them two things are not related but will happen at the same time and will impact on the transfer market.
0: Yeah, it does I think it does hold a lot of keys to a lot of players' futures as well. You mentioned Declan Rice there obviously was in Chelsea's academy as a youngster and there's been links back to Stamford Bridge with Declan Rice mm-hmm. for a number of years even. Uh, and United have obviously wanted him for a long time too. David Moyes uh, coming out the other day with a uh, $150 million valuation. We'll, we'll talk about that in a future episode and keep an eye out on nightmare.com as well for the latest on Declan Rice. But, um, you know, let's move on to abroad uh, for a little while. We are obviously uh, recording this out of out of the UK. So when I say abroad, we're going to look towards France and Spain and Kylian Mbappe. And Graham, we've been on top of the Kilian Mbappe future plan for years now. And it's always seemed that Real, well, we've obviously known that Real Madrid have eyed up Kylian Mbappe as the jewel in the crown in a sense. Uh, I can't remember how we phrased it before, but something like along the lines that they were targeting, I think three French players, and mm. Eduardo Camavinga, who's currently there, was one of them, uh, and Kylian Mbappe was also on the list as well, and it seems like they're going to really, and they are trying to convince Mbappe to join Madrid, but obviously PSG are trying their best to hold on to him too. So what what's the latest with uh, the future of Kylian Mbappe at the moment, considering there's been some suggestions that PSG might have convinced him to stay.
1: Yeah, lots of contradicting reports. Obviously, we knew this was coming, didn't we, Scott? And and the thing you were alluding to was that three musketeers thing that... It three was musketeers, in, that was it. Florentino Perez and Zinedine Zidane three or four years ago hatched a, hatched a plot to bring these three French players in. At the time, it was N'Golo, Kante, Paul Pogba and Mbappe. And Kante got changed out for Camavinga, as you said. And then, as of last summer, you know they got Camavinga in and now Mbappe... Probably is going from what we're hearing still, and Pogba's on the list as well. He might happen. The latest with Mbappe is he, because he hasn't signed his pre-contract yet with Madrid, who tried to get him in January. It opens up the the windows and the doors to keep the speculation fresh, Scott. You know, the, we've heard that he might have changed his mind and signed a new deal. but There's also reports come out of Spain that his mothers told people that he's heading to Spain. In fact. Our information on 90 minutes is that Real Madrid remain hugely confident. You know, the the way that Perez and Mbappé have interacted behind the scenes, I think it's been very professional. I think the way Mbappé has handled himself, hugely professional. He's not saying anything negative. And it's a, if you are Madrid, you see the way he's acting, and, and presumably he hasn't said no to him. It's a dream the way he's so professional. You know, he's going to be the greatest player in the world when he moves. So, no, we're going to hear a lot of to and fro but. As far as I know, he's going to be a Real Madrid player, and I still believe he will be. You know, you wouldn't wait all this time, I don't think, all these years to then get to the last month to sign a new deal with PSG. You know, what, what, and this isn't about money, you know, Mbappe is already sorted for life in terms of money. How much money does anyone need? And this is all about his future, becoming the goat, becoming the Ballon d'Or winner. And is he going to do that at PSG? He, He isn't. It's not going to happen. You know, he's tried his best to win the Champions League there. They gave it a great effort this year, only just been narrowly pipped by Real Madrid. But no, from what we understand, it's not. A, it hasn't been signed yet, but Real Madrid is supremely confident that Mbappe will be going to Madrid in the summer.
0: And they have been for a long time too. Uh, I, I We're going to scoot through these a little bit quick, because I do want to get to uh, a bit of a Newcastle section at the end. But... Graham, one of your favourite players in the world is—is
1: it—is he your favourite player in the world, Phil Foden? He—he is up there, yes. Um, You know, I've been a bit—I'm biased on Phil. You can see my uh, my my pin tweet um, (laughs) when I when I on if you go on my Twitter, my pin tweet is the I regarded Phil Foden as the best young player in England, and the name you will all know that was back in 2017.
0: I'm you can impressed. follow Graham at Graham Bailey on Twitter, by the way.
1: Yeah, and I do. T- I am taking a lot of stick in the office because I think between Rudiger and Ford, my two favorite players, and I think unfortunately because of that, there's a tendency for the guys to uh, to be negative about these two players. But no, for me, he is the best young player in world football, Scott. He's simple as that. You know, if he was playing Barcelona, and Madrid, we would be absolutely dancing around and singing his praises because he's at City because he stayed there. I, he doesn't get the plaudits he deserves. He's he's, in, he's England's best player without. That a shadow of a doubt for me.
0: Do you think that the he does get the? Do you think he actually doesn't get the plaudits he deserves? We, and in reference to what you were saying there about the teasing, uh, we we actually <laughs> run the PFA uh, fans' Player of the Month uh, awards, and obviously we compile a shortlist and this kind of stuff, which uh, which comes out, and every time we start the discussion. It's six options for Phil Foden uh, and maybe one Rudiger. One for Rudiger, yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one for
1: Rudiger so yeah, yeah. yeah, we have one for Rudiger uh, as well.
0: But uh, Phil Foden's contract, what's the latest?
1: Yeah, this is one what's really crept up on us and we almost forgot about it. by last October, this was verbally agreed and he's got a deal till 2024. And it's one of those where City have been trying to get this over line. It's been closed quite a few times. October, we all thought City briefed the press, the media behind the scenes. This was nearly done. And it's just gone on and on and on. And, but from what I'm told, City are confident this will be done by the season. It'll be a long-term deal. It may even be a six-year deal from what I'm being told, five to six years, same as what Ruben Diaz signed last year. This is getting done. It's just a matter of when. There have been some reports that the Erling Haaland pursuit – May, may have hampered the negotiations and it suddenly forward him once twice as much money, etc. I'm told by City that is not the case, and the same with all their players. They've got City, have actually got quite a stringent wage structure. You no, know, De Bruyne is on just over 400,000 pounds a week, and that deal was done last year. What last year wasn't it? De Bruyne, and, so. and so you know, and he could have demanded six seven hundred thousand pounds a week, it's got easy, couldn't he? And he'd have been have warranted it, but you know they know that they can't be giving out five, six hundred thousand pounds a week. And if Haaland does come, which is a distinct possibility, it will fit into structure. So City are saying that this Haaland situation has not complicated it. There's been a few clauses to get over the line, but from what we're told, City are confident this one will be done before the end of the season. The same can't be said for some of their other talks at the moment, including Raheem Sterling, Gabriel Jesus and Riyad Mahrez, all out of contract in just 15 months' time. City have got a lot of work to do behind the scenes.
0: Indeed they do. And another club that do have, uh, how far in are we, 26 minutes or so into the show so far, Uh, 25, 26 minutes, uh, and we'll use the final chunk of the show, I would think, to talk a little bit about a club that will dominate, uh, well, they've been dominating your life for a number of months now, uh, but dominate the headlines, I'm sure. Throughout this summer, they're going to be probably one of the busiest clubs in Europe regarding transfer activity, you'd imagine, given the takeover that's happened. They've already spent a little bit of money, but Newcastle United, uh, big summer ahead for them, and maybe not only in terms of incomings, but also outgoings. So Graham's uh, put a story out on 90min.com. Endless plugs on this show is going to be for 90min.com So get over, get over to that book market or whatever. Get the, it won't disappoint. It won't disappoint. It won't disappoint. But uh, Alan saint uh, you've uh, published a story on him today. Uh, what's the latest surrounding his future?
1: Yeah, he he's a player who was his stock. I would say I don't know if you agree with this. I think his stock has probably gone down. He's the one player at Newcastle whose stock's gone down since Eddie Howe came in. Because, you know, he was that shining beacon during the Steve Bruce days, the shining light. He was that one player who the fans loved. But since Eddie Howe has come in, and he's done a wonderful job, hats off to Eddie Howe, he really has got this team playing. Sam Maxon's one who is fleeted, He showed bits and pieces here and there. But as it stands, he wants a new contract, Scott. He wants a pay rise. He's, and he's got all the four years left here. And his people have approached Newcastle. And I'm told, they've been told that... It, a new deal for Alan Maximum is not in their plans for the summer at all. And I'm not sure whether his representatives have taken too kindly of that and they have started putting feelers out around the league. And Newcastle are quite happy for him to do that. I don't think that Sandman is in Newcastle's long-term plans. I don't think he's an Eddie Howe type player. You know, I think he... I've seen him... I've been at Newcastle quite a few times covering Newcastle for 90 minutes the season, three or four times. And he's just so... Last that he'd rather punch the ground... And chase back and stuff. I just don't think he's an Eddie Howe type player. I really don't. And so there is a bit of interest emerging. Wolves, interestingly, like him as a maybe Traore replacement. You could sort of see that. Everton like him. Obviously, that'll be dependent on, on their Premier League status. So, no, this is an interesting one. Yeah, we expect this tune revolution coming, but there will be some casualties along the way. And I think Sam Maximan might be one of them.
0: Yeah, uh, Sam Maximan is, as, as you mentioned there, maybe hasn't hit the heights you'd have expected, but he was playing in a team before, which was the entertainment value of that team mm. under Steve Bruce was I know he got he got criticism and that kind of thing. Mm. Uh I think somewhat unfairly in, in in a sense. I'm not sure where you stand on that. But uh obviously there wasn't too much to shout about at Newcastle for a long time and sat Maximum was probably the only one who provided mm. that entertainment value and that bit of a release for a football fan to kind of enjoy football when you were watching Newcastle sit back and try and absorb pressure for weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh but yeah, uh, if he's got 4 years left on his deal it doesn't really make a lot of sense for Newcastle to revisit that.
1: No and and I think his his level, you know, I don't think he's playing that well or has done to warrant any anyone even in the top six to come for him, you know, I think would you maybe thinking that maybe they think an Arsenal or a West I don't think they would. I I think it's too much of a risk. He's not a, for instance, if you compare him to a Rafinha, I wouldn't put him in the same level as Rafinha at Leeds. And who, again, someone who may be on the move this summer, but no, for me, I think Wolves could be an interesting one, but, and yeah, it, he obviously wants a pay rise and I don't think he's going to get that at Newcastle. So if he does want that pay rise and he wants it in summer, he will have to get it elsewhere.
0: Expect some Rafinha latest uh, in the next few weeks too. Uh, mm-hmm. We try and cover as best we can the Premier League and the biggest names in world football. Uh, we've done a lot on Endrick as well over the last few weeks, uh, who is a prospect from Brazil. Uh, so not only the biggest names in football, but the biggest names of tomorrow and that kind of thing too. Uh, but going back to Newcastle, Obviously, Mm -hmm. fire sale may be expected, or is it going to be a a kind of a transition? Because everyone's expecting Newcastle to go out and spend to their heart's content, Uh, but they probably will need to improve their squad drastically over the course of a few years to get to the levels that they want to get to. They made some smart signings so far. Uh, How big a summer are we expecting Newcastle to have at the moment?
1: Yeah, we did a bit of a notebook feature on 90 Min, so if you refer back to that, if anyone's listening. And, and it really sums up where the situation is involving all the different positions. They do want a goalkeeper. We're expecting Dean Henderson is their number one choice to being linked after Roberto Sanchez at Brighton, which is probably tied in with a Dan Ashworth. Let's not forget, Dan Ashworth is still due to come in. He's on gardening leave. He'll be coming around November, we think, as it stands. But I think Newcastle will probably be doing some work behind the scenes to get him in a bit earlier than that. But yeah, as we said, and they've got a big squad, Scott, as well. They've got, remember, there was three players who missed out on the 25. It was Jamal Lewis, Jeff Hendrick, and Kieran Clark. They've got three players there who were just sat doing nothing. I know Lewis, Jamal Lewis was injured. So we can expect a lot of these squad players to go. Um, Sean Longstaff, one of your favourites, players, Scott, I know, <laughs> um, is on a free transfer. So I think he'll be going as well. I think he'll see They a missed good- out on 50 million, Graham. Yes, exactly. The English version of Scott McTominay. I think there'll be about eight to ten players who are going to be going, and and they won't be missed, really. It sounds harsh, but you've got the likes of Fabian Shah, who has played really well under Eddie Howe. I think Eddie Howe is keen, but I've been told people in the Newcastle hierarchy are are wanting maybe to upgrade on that. So we've seen likes of Sven Botman linked. But I think they're more likely to go for Lloyd Kelly at Bournemouth, who Eddie Howe loves. That sort of player, Dan burn's has come in and been fantastic. I must admit, he's he's really impressed at his hometown club and done really well. So we've been told it's more evolution than revolution. The budget of around hundred million. So you may, you'll see like Matt Target was coming and done really well on the left hand side. They'll probably purchase him, we think from at the moment he seems to be the most likely addition on that side, but then that'll be intertwined with, the still like Hugo Ekiteki, a player we covered quite intensively in January, Scott Um, a player who we didn't know in January but we know all too well by the end of it and I think they'll go back for him as well because he wants to bring the age of the squad down as well because it's not a young squad, so yeah we'll see bits and bobs like this, but then as I said, there's this 90 to 100 million pound budget, but there is another, in addition to that PIF, the Saudi-controlled public investment fund, do have a little treasure chest there just to the side for Eddie in case a... a not not even someone like a Calvin First, but say if a Harry Kane comes on the market or, or a Marcus Rashford, who won't be cheap, there is a little kitty there for them to dive into. If there's a marquee signing to be had... And Eddie Howe wants him and Newcastle wants him. Newcastle do have the funds to do that deal. So whilst we expect round about 100 million for maybe a Calvin Phillips, if you're going to join that race, to be 50, 60 million, a Target, a Kelly, stuff like that. If there is a marquee signing, that'll be separate. And So, yeah, if we do want to go and sign Harry Kane for 200 million, they do have the funds to do so.
0: Imagine that, eh? The next Alan Shearer. I think we uh, we spoke we spoke about that a, a well, number. Of did, ago. That was one of the them, early mem- tips, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I
1: remember Shearer she broke the world records when they signed yeah. him back back in the day, and and and, and I think Harry Kane or something like that. They do need a number nine. They signed Chris Wood, who was just to get them through to the summer. You know. It wouldn't be surprised to see Chris Wood leave in the summer, would it really? It wouldn't be. He's notably
0: surprise. not Harry Kane, not a, yeah, and
1: Callum Wilson, Kane. who is good but is a good number two now. So they do need this central, they do need a new number nine. And and who loves a number nine more than Newcastle fans? Nobody in this country. And who is the best number English number nine at the moment? Is Harry Kane. And is Harry Kane really on United's list of players? Possibly, but I wouldn't real new. I wouldn't real Newcastle out that hunt. I really wouldn't, you know. I think they can blow anyone out the market. It's not to say Newcastle, not to say Manchester United couldn't afford two hundred billion, but they know they're not going to spend that on Harry Kane. It may take a sort of Newcastle to do this sort of big deal, but can you imagine what what would happen to hindsight if they did that deal? It is, um, it it's one to keep an eye on. It really is. <laughs> uh,
0: we're not ultimately certain on that at the moment, although we are pretty certain. Within the 90 minute editorial team, that we think that Newcastle in the next couple of years are going to be one of the teams. If United don't get their act, Man United don't get their act together, pushing United even further out of the top four running.
1: Yeah, you've got a great point, Scott. You know, the United need to get that's why his Ten Hag appointment really needs to be right with Pochettino because Leicester are going to get better. They're going to give funding. We'll talk about it on another show. Brendan Rodgers got a good target there for finals resigned. You know, we've got Aston Villa. They're going to go big this summer as well. And they're probably only three or four signs away. There's a lot of teams that are going to be knocking on this top six door for United. And they have to be very careful. Yes,
0: indeed. No more aiming for third or fourth place. They're going to have to start getting that right. But Graham, thank you very much. It's been uh, been a good opening show. This is the first of a weekly uh, 90 Min Talking Transfers edition to the 90 Min Podcast Network. It'll usually be me and Graham. Some weeks we may be joined by a special guest, depending on maybe which story or which player we're going to cover on the day. Uh, we could see some external people you've not seen before or some other people who are within the 90 min team to talk about their club. Uh, and we'll we'll dig into everything uh, that comes up over the next few weeks. I'm sure it'll be dominated by United and Newcastle uh, probably in the <laughs> next few weeks. But there's a lot going on at Chelsea You know, City will probably be moving big. There's a lot of players, as I mentioned at the top of the show, that are either out of contract or will be looking for a new challenge this summer. So we'll be looking to cover that as best we can. So please subscribe on all of your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter too for the latest on when the show is going to drop. Uh, My at is underscore Scott Saunders and Graham is at Graham Bailey. But thank you very much for listening. Uh, And we'll be back next week for some more Talking Transfers.